0: Section six of Mysteries of London, Volume Four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brian Keenan. Mysteries of London, Volume Four by George W. M. Reynolds. Thomas Rainford. The arrest of Tom Rain and Old Death took place at about twenty minutes to six on the evening in question, and by ten o'clock that night the news were circulated throughout every quarter of the metropolis. The incidents involved in the double arrestation were well adapted to produce as much excitement as the extraordinary adventures of Sir Christopher Blunt and Dr. LaSalle ten weeks previously. In the first place a man who had been publicly executed at Horsemonger Lane was now discovered to be alive, having been doubtless resuscitated in some extraordinary way, although the more credulous and wonder-loving portion of the community were firmly convinced that Tom Rain had never been hanged at all, but that the body of some prisoner, recently deceased at the time, was ushered through the dreadful ordeal instead of the formidable highwayman. In the second place, This said Thomas Rainford was said to be the mysterious personage who, usurping the attributes of justice, had kidnapped Dr. LaSalle and Sir Christopher Blunt, and had somehow or another disposed of the real murderers of Sir Henry Courtenay, after having devised the necessary means to prove and make public the innocence of Mr. Torrens. In the third place, a notorious fence named Benjamin Bones, who had defied the police and the laws for many, many years, had at last fatally entangled himself with justice, by committing a diabolical murder upon the person of Thomas Rainford's wife. And, in the fourth place, it had been discovered that there were situate two houses in the very heart of London, having a subterraneous passage connecting them, and this subterranean communicating with several dark and gloomy dungeons, decently furnished, and in which half a dozen prisoners had recently been confined. One of these prisoners was now known to be Benjamin Bones. But what had become of the other five? Such were the circumstances which took the whole town by storm, and produced a tremendous sensation from one end of London to the other, the intelligence reaching even Lady Hatfield, retired and secluded as was her mode of living. Shortly after ten o'clock on that eventful evening a private carriage drove up to the house in Red Lion Street and Mr. de Medina, Esther, and Lord Ellingham alighted. Jacob Smith leapt down from the box, and in a few moments the entire party entered the dwelling, thus disappearing from the gaze of the assembled crowd. The Jew, his daughter, and the young nobleman were immediately conducted by one of Rainford's dependents into the apartment where the unhappy husband of the murdered Tamar was pacing up and down, Dykes sitting in a corner watching his movements the prisoner was no longer disguised. During the interval which had elapsed since his arrest, he had, by the officer's express desire, washed off the black dye from his face and hands, and he now wore his natural aspect in one sense, though in another his expressive countenance was altered by the despair that filled his soul. "'Oh, Thomas, what terrible afflictions have occurred!' exclaimed Lord Ellingham, as he flew into his half-brother's arms. You will not reproach me, Arthur. Oh, do not augment my grief, cried Rainford, and he wept bitter tears. No one will reproach you, excellent young man, said Mr. de Medina, taking the hand of his bereaved son-in-law. But, oh, my daughter, my daughter Tamar, great God, thou hast chosen to afflict me deeply, deeply. In the meantime Esther de Medina had thrown herself into a chair, giving way to the wildest paroxysms of grief, the Earl of Ellingham having vainly accosted her with the hope of importing some slight consolation. But, alas, he himself was a prey to the most poignant anguish. And, even had he been more calm, how was it possible to comfort Esther de Medina for the loss, the cruel assassination, of that sister whom she loved so tenderly and so well? Thomas, at length," said the earl, approaching his half-brother. "'Has Jacob Smith told us the dreadful tale correctly? And is it he, Benjamin Bones, who has done this? My God! I have scarcely been able to comprehend all the terrible particulars!' "'It is true. It is too true. I know that it is,' exclaimed Mr. de Medina, shaking his head in despair. "'Yes. Tamar is no more. But—' At least, let me behold her remains. Rainford turned an appealing glance towards Dykes, as much as to say, You surely will allow me to proceed unwatched and unguarded, along with these mourners, to the chamber where the corpse lies? But Dykes, who understood the meaning of that glance, said in a respectful though firm tone, I dare not trust you out of my sight. I will be answerable for him, officer, cried the Earl of Ellingham. "'Do you know me? I—' "'I know who you are, my lord,' answered Dykes. "'But I cannot oblige you.' "'Is not grief such as that which you now contemplate?' said the nobleman, indicating the weeping father and sister of the deceased lady. "'Is not such grief as this too solemn for the intrusion of a stranger?' "'Since your lordship forces me to speak plain,' returned Dykes, "'Mr. Rainford is my prisoner on two charges.' "'On two charges?' ejaculated the earl. Then, remembering all that his brother had passed through, he said mournfully, "'But just heavens, one is enough!' "'As your lordship observes,' began Dykes, "'one is—' At that moment another private carriage rattled up to the door of the house, and a lady, alighting with feverish impatience, was instantaneously admitted into the dwelling. In less than a minute she was ushered by Jacob Smith— into the room where the morning party were assembled. "'Lady Hatfield cried Tom Rain, the moment she raised her veil. And, as if her presence were another blow on such an occasion, he staggered and would have fallen had not the Earl of Ellingham caught him in his arms. "'Pardon this intrusion,' said Georgiana, advancing into the middle of the apartment. "'And believe me when I assure you that nothing save the hope of being in some degree "'Able to lighten the afflictions which pour upon you all. "'Nothing,' she added emphatically, "'but such a hope as this would have induced me to break upon your privacy. "'The dreadful rumours current in the metropolis reached me ere now, "'and I flew hither only, alas, to hear them confirmed. "'But, Mr. Rainford,' she stopped short, trembled, "'and seemed for an instant overcome by feelings of an unutterable nature. "'The bitterness,' The intensity of grief which oppressed the others was in some degree absorbed for the moment by the profound interest which the presence of Lady Hatfield excited. Her words having given promise of hopes the nature whereof defied all conjecture. But suspense on the part of her listeners was not destined to last long. Mr. Rainford, she resumed, exercising a powerful control over her emotions, you have sustained an affliction so great That it is almost impossible to impart consolation to you. Yet, even in the midst of such woe as this which has overtaken you, it may at least be a satisfaction to learn that the judgment of a criminal tribunal no longer hangs over you, that the past is indeed the past and cannot be revived. "'Georgiana,' cried the Earl of Ellingham, surveying her in profound astonishment, "'what mean you?' "I mean that Thomas Rainford is pardoned!" exclaimed Lady Hatfield. "I mean," she continued, the wildest astonishment having sealed the lips of all who heard her, "I mean that the sentence passed upon him months ago is dissolved, annihilated, and here is the royal decree, bearing the sovereign's seal, and countersigned by the secretary of the Home Department, 'tis a full pardon for Thomas Rainford." Thus speaking, she handed Lord Ellingham a paper, but it fell from his hands, for his half-brother had sunk senseless upon the floor. Water was speedily procured and all the usual means adopted to restore him. It was, however, some time ere he gave signs of life. And then, beckoning Georgiana towards him, he said in a faint tone, May the great God above us bless you, for you are an angel it was undoubtedly an immense alleviation of the general sorrow to learn that rainford had received a full pardon for all those offences which had drawn down on his head the sentence of death pronounced at the old bailey and the earl of ellingham having now hastily glanced over the paper which decreed this act of royal mercy submitted it to the examination of mr dykes well my lord said that officer I see and hear plain enough that one of the charges on which I held Mr. Rainford prisoner is knocked on the head, and I'm glad of it, especially as tis the most serious of the two. But I must still keep him in custody, he being the man who kidnapped Sir Christopher Blunt and Dr. Laselle. Wait, one moment, exclaimed Rainford, a sudden thought flashing to his mind and restoring him to the wanted energies of his character." while all present watched his movements with breathless interest, he hastened to a writing-desk, standing on a table in a recess, and thence he took a pocket-book, which he opened, and the contents of which he scanned rapidly as he turned over the various papers, one after the other. Here it is, he cried triumphantly at last, and, drawing forth a slip of paper, he handed it to Lord Ellingham, who mechanically read it aloud. WE ACKNOWLEDGE A SENSE OF DEEP OBLIGATION TO THE BEARER OF THIS MEMORANDUM, THE SAID BEARER HAVING RENDERED US SPECIAL SERVICE, AND WE HOLD OURSELVES BOUND TO GRANT HIM ANY BOON WHICH HE MAY DEMAND AT OUR HANDS, SO THAT IT BE NOT INCONSISTENT WITH OUR ROYAL HONOR, NOR PREJUDICIAL TO THE INTERESTS OF THE STATE. GIVEN THIS THIRD OF MARCH IN THE YEAR 1827. GEORGE REX, L.S. YOU are SAVED, THOMAS. "'You are saved in all respects,' exclaimed Mr. de Medina, pressing with affectionate warmth the hand of his son-in-law, while tears trickled down the old man's venerable countenance. "'All this is so truly astonishing,' cried the Earl of Ellingham, "'that I am bewildered. How you, my excellent friend—my sister,' he added, turning towards Lady Hatfield, "'obtained the royal pardon for Thomas Rainford, I well know. Indeed, I have all along known.' You! ejaculated Georgiana, in profound astonishment. Yes, I overheard your interview with the king in the blue velvet closet at Carlton House, continued the earl, and now I comprehend all the greatness and generosity of your conduct. Oh, and you must pardon me too, for having become a listener on that occasion, and for having ever since entertained suspicions most injurious to your honour. The remainder of the tale can then be told by myself, said Tom Rain hastily, for it was I, I, the Blackamoor, the Negro, who saved your ladyship from insult and outrage, also at Carlton House. But, he continued, glancing in a significant manner towards Dykes, all these explanations shall be for another and more convenient opportunity. In the meantime, Arthur, he added, it is for you to repair at once to the Home Secretary, and obtain from him all we require to ensure my complete freedom— by virtue of that acknowledgment bearing the Sign Manual of the King. The Earl of Ellingham instantaneously undertook this commission, although at so late an hour. But he fortunately happened to be aware that the secretary for the Home Department had a reception that evening, and was therefore certain to be at home. Dykes, who had been led on from one source of astonishment to another, and who perceived that Thomas Rainford not only possessed powerful friends, but likewise the patronage and favor of the king himself. The worthy Mr. Dykes, we say, now volunteered to withdraw into another room, merely requesting his prisoner to pledge his honor not to leave the house until the order of the secretary of state should fully and completely release him from custody. The promise was given forthwith, and Dykes repaired to the apartment where old Death was still remaining in the custody of Bingham and the other constables. Immediately after the officer had retired, Georgiana rose to take her departure. This was the first time that she had ever seen the Medinas, but she accosted them with the affability of a well-bred lady, and proffered them her deepest and sincerest sympathy on account of the dreadful loss which they had sustained. They received these proofs of friendship in a manner which denoted the gratitude of their hearts, and Georgiana, on taking leave, shook them cordially by the hand. THEN, EXTENDING HER HAND LIKEWISE TO HIM WHOSE MERE NAME HAD HITHERTO BEEN SUFFICIENT TO SEND A COLD SHUDDER THROUGH HER ENTIRE FORM, YES, EXTENDING HER HAND TO HIM ALSO, IN THE TRUE SPIRIT OF CHRISTIAN FORGIVENESS. BUT WITHOUT RAISING HER EYES TO HIS COUNTENANCE, SHE SAID, MR. RAINFORD, MAY YOU YET KNOW MANY YEARS OF HAPPINESS. HE PRESSED HER HAND WITH GRATEFUL FERVOR, AND A TEAR DROPPED UPON IT. BUT HE COULD NOT UTTER A WORD his heart was too full to allow him to express his thanks, his admiration of the noble conduct of that woman whom, in a moment of delirium, as it were, he had outraged and ruined. Ah, bitter! Bitter were thy reminiscences, as thus thou didst stand before thy generous benefactress, Tom Rain. Mr. de Medina, perceiving that his son-in-law was overcome by emotions which were not altogether intelligible to him, offered his arm to escort Lady Hatfield to her carriage, and Georgiana drove home with a heart rejoicing at the good she had done, for Lord Ellingham's sake. The Jew returned to the apartment where he had left Esther and Rainford, and there they all three mingled their grief together for the loss of the lovely and much-loved Tamar. But over this scene we shall draw a veil sorrow such as they experienced cannot be adequately described neither shall we do more than allude to the violence of the grief and the poignancy of the anguish which were felt when they repaired to the chamber to which the remains of the murdered tamar had been conveyed the reader does not require to be informed that this was a ceremony of the most painful description while therefore mr de medina esther and rainford Are mingling their tears and lamentations, while, too, the Earl of Ellingham is absent on his mission to the Home Secretary, armed with the document which bore the autograph and seal of George the Fourth, we shall request our reader to accompany us to the apartment where old death remains in the custody of Bingham and the subordinate officials. End of section six. Recording by Brian Keenan.